Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 with me, please. And I'm going to talk about being a witness. And if you haven't received one of these little witness cards, you can get it from the Welcome Center and just take as many as you need. And the purpose in them is that you can give these away to someone. And on the back are all of our service times and dates for Easter services. So our goal is to get you just to invite someone to Easter service. Easter is the perfect opportunity to guilt someone into coming to church. It's the, it's the perfect opportunity to say, hey, it's Easter, man. Why don't you come and bring your family? And uh, I'm, I'm going to give you four services you can choose from in two days, and surely you can make one of them. Amen? So take as many as these you need and invite somebody out. And, and maybe you said, well, I've invited family and friends before, and they've said no. Give it another shot. We're in a different year. We're in a different season right now. Give it another shot. Just say, I'd love to have you come to church. I was talking to a friend of mine this past week, and uh, he has a friend, he said, was like, he said, I'm talking biker, but I'm talking like Hell's Angels type biker, real deal biker. And he said, uh, this guy would do work for me. And he said, so uh, he asked me to come and uh, do flooring in his house, I think. So he said, I went and did the flooring. And he said, at the end, he said, what do I owe you? And my friend said, nothing. I want you to come to church one Sunday with me. Nothing. I just want you to come to church with me one Sunday. And so uh, he said it took him four years. It took him four years. But he said he walked in church recently. Loved it. Got saved. Gave his life to Jesus. And has bringing, been bringing people every single, already brought over 20 people, bringing people every single Sunday to their church. And they've had 15 people saved in a small church in the last month by one person. Let me tell you something. No one's too hard for Jesus. No one's too hard for him. Amen? If that was the case, some of us wouldn't be here today. No one's too hard for him. He loves people. Amen? You know, the, the, the interesting thing about the Lord is He doesn't love just the good people. He loves all people. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world. He so loved the world that He gave. God so loved the world. Aren't you glad you're in the world? We're living in an era where He said He'd pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Aren't you glad you're flesh? All flesh. Amen? Old flesh, young flesh. I'll stop right there. But <laughs> Amen. Okay, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to talk about being a witness, what that looks like. And let's pick an example out of Scripture this morning and look at the life of the one they call the first witness to the resurrection of Jesus. You know, Christianity is based on a story. The story that God sent His only Son to earth. His name was Jesus. He took the form of a human being. He lived a sinless life. Helped people preach the gospel. Brought the kingdom to earth. He was crucified. Placed in a tomb for three days. And on the third day, He rose from the dead. There's so much testimony to this you know the word witness means to be a testimony 
or one who will testify? First of all, one who will testify in a court of law. The ancient word was used like someone that would testify in a court of law. Secondly, it's used of someone who would be a historical witness, like you witnessed certain events. I remember I preached a funeral a few years ago for a man who attended this church, and uh, he was buried in Wan Cheese. And I went down there, and we did the funeral, the gravesite service in Wan Cheese. And they told me that his grandmother was an eyewitness and was there the day the Wright brothers first flew their plane. That's an eyewitness. Somebody that didn't say, I didn't just read about it in the newspaper. I was there in the sand when they flew that thing. Amen? A few years ago, I used uh, D-Day from World War II as an example in one of my sermons. And uh, afterwards, a couple weeks later, I was met by a gentleman in our foyer. He's a uh, Gone on to be with the Lord. His name was Marshall White. And Marshall said, Pastor, I enjoyed that illustration you gave. I was at Normandy on D-Day. And he told me the story. We ended up writing an article about it. And then was a church publication we uh, put out every month. Absolutely amazing. Those are historical eyewitnesses. And you know, the Bible talks about those. Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 15 that our, our faith really hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. It hinges on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And Paul said he was seen of all of the disciples. He was seen of the women. He was seen of many people. And he was seen of over 500. There were many different people who saw the risen Jesus and were literal eyewitnesses that could testify to it. Some of them, we have their records in the Bible. You know, there's more evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead than there is that there was ever an emperor named Julius Caesar. We have thousands of pieces of the New Testament or testimonies of the Gospels in historical record. There are people who give their lives to study this, the textual Biblical scholars. It's amazing, amen? amen, that we have that kind of record. That's a historical witness. The third kind of witness is the one who witnesses in a religious sense. They witness that they are living testimony that this story is true. That's all of us in this room right now. We're witnesses that the story of Jesus is true because we've experienced it over 2,000 years later it still has the same power because you and I have witnessed it. So let's look at the first witness of the resurrection and see her story. Her name is Mary Magdalene. Luke chapter 8 verse 1, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities Mary, called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. And Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Now, these were women who followed Jesus and supported his ministry. Literally, they provided for him from their substance. Verse 3. 
And Mary was one of those. Now, Mary is the most common name in ancient Jewish society. So there are many Marys in the Bible. But Mary Magdalene is pointed out because she was one who followed Jesus. And she was one who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And sometimes she's been identified as the prostitute who was set free. But the Bible never, never says that. Could have she been? Maybe, but the Bible doesn't say that. Also, some have identified her as the woman who came in and broke the alabaster box and poured it on Jesus' feet. But the Bible never specifically says it was Mary Magdalene, but some have assumed it was. All we know of her is she was from the town of Magdala. Magdala was a town on the perimeter of the Sea of Galilee, near Capernaum. Some of you who went with me to Israel back in 2019, we visited Magdala. It was a fascinating uh, place, the home of Mary Magdalene. So she was raised in the Galilee, quite a distance from Jerusalem. And so her and these other women evidently followed Jesus, and at the end of his life, they followed him to Jerusalem, as we'll see. So Mary was a woman, though, who had been healed. And I think some people have, have believed since she was demon-possessed and had demons cast out of her, she must have been a prostitute. I think some people equate that in their minds. But you know what? There are a lot of people walking around chock full of demons who aren't prostitutes. Well, there are a lot of what some people say, well, why don't we have these demon manifestations in America like we do in Asia or Africa or in the islands of the sea? Someone said they're just they're still in America too, it's just they're better medicated. Oh Lord. But it said these women were healed of evil spirits and infirmities. One-third of the healing miracles of Jesus deal with him casting out a spirit of infirmity. Casting out a spirit of infirmity. So, at least we know she was a lady who had been healed. She was a lady who had been healed. She was a lady who had been delivered. She was a lady who had been healed and who had been delivered. Hallelujah. So I'm going to give you three facts from her life that um, will help us understand how you and I can be better witnesses for Jesus. First of all, true witnesses are not defined by their past. She was not defined by her past, though she was identified as the woman from whom Jesus cast out seven devils or seven demons. Um, it's not who she continued to be. Who she was was not who she used to be, wasn't who she became, and what she became wasn't what she would be in the future. So who you are, though people might identify you by the past you had, a true witness of Jesus isn't, doesn't, isn't ruled by that. Because he who is in Christ is a new creation. All things have become new. God has an amazing chemistry formula that he takes a soul blackened with sin and applies the red blood of Jesus to it and it comes out as white as snow. 
that can only work in God's chemistry lab. A heart black with sin where the blood red crimson flows to his heart is then transferred and transformed into a white as snow condition. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? How many of you have had that experience where the Lord is? You've encountered the resurrected Lord. You've encountered him by faith. You've encountered him by faith and you have a new beginning and a new heart now. And who you used to be is not the defining factor of your life now. Now you're made part of the kingdom of God. Once you've been born again, you've been brought into the kingdom. You've been brought into His grace. You've been brought into His mercy. You've been brought into the wealth of the kingdom, the gifts of the Spirit, the blessings that He's provided in the new covenant. You're a new creature. Old things don't define you anymore. Hallelujah. You used to be a sinner. A sin is one who perpetuates or continues in sin. You're no longer that once you come to the Lord. You might sin, but it doesn't mean you're identified as a sinner any longer. Paul didn't use that terminology. When you come to Christ, you're transformed now. You are actually called a saint in the New Testament. I know some people say, we can't do that. Saints are those who have been approved by a certain church and perform certain miracles. And there's a whole history and you have to be canonized. But you know what? The, the word for saint comes from the same word sanctified or the word holy in the Bible. And Paul called those in Corinth, he was speaking to the church in Corinth, he said, to those who are sanctified. Called to be saints. And that church in Corinth was rife with problems. But nonetheless, Paul called them according to their identity in Christ. You're now a saint. You're no longer who you used to be. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be. Got the same personality, same hair. In Jesus' name, same smile in Jesus' name, but my heart's been completely changed. The spiritual man on me is, in me has come alive. My soul has been redeemed. Spirit of the Lord has entered in. Jesus said, whoever opens his heart up, me and the Father will come, King James, and sup with you. It means we're going to sit down in your house, and we're going to have dinner with you. Amen? And we're going to fellowship with you. He's come into my heart, and he changed my life. He changed my affections. He changed my direction. He changed my plans. He changed my way of thinking. Now I'm not titled the man lost in sin, I'm titled now the Son of God who's been adopted into the family of God. The Spirit of the Lord has come into my heart crying, Abba! Crying, Abba, Father, meaning we've brought the papers of adoption for Hans and no longer is he part of the kingdom of darkness. Now we're bringing him in as an adopted son. And not only I'm not just like left on the outside as an adopted son. No, he said, I'm now a firstborn son. I'm now church. I'm part of the church of the firstborn. And not only that, I have an inheritance. Hallelujah. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. Hallelujah. As one man said, God split heaven right down the middle between us and Jesus. And he's given us an eternal inheritance. And I'm not just waiting for the great by and by to experience it. He's brought it right now into my life. And I'm walking in those things that are eternal. And I'm walking in those things that I'm going to get in fullness after a while. The kingdom of God has come into our hearts. Now we are living proof of the gospel. I am a living witness that Jesus is alive and well.
I didn't read a history book and get a life change. I didn't encounter George Washington and my life was changed. I didn't read about the Buddha and my life was changed. I didn't read about Genghis Khan and my life was changed. No, I read about someone who actually did live in history, but who is still living because he conquered death and now lives forevermore. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. A living witness is not defined by the past. You're no longer defined by your past. Someone told me one time we had a certain event in church and somebody came up to me and said, oh my gosh, Pastor, you wouldn't believe who just walked in this church. Never in a million years did I think I'd see them in church. I thought, yes. This is where they belong. None of us were born perfect. None of us were born saved. Everyone had to come through the blood. What we have in common is our faith and our experience of being born again through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what we all have in common here. I wasn't raised in church. I came totally from the outside. God called me in a hospital room. And I came completely from the outside and kind of learned and grew and, and, and pulled my way through. But I had an experience that I could, nobody could deny. I couldn't deny it. What God did for me when I was 16, I'm still chasing after it. I feel like St. Augustine in the 4th century, he had an experience when he's in his 30s, he was born again, and then the rest of his life he said, I'm just seeking to add knowledge to the faith that I experienced. Faith seeking understanding. I'm running after the understanding of what happened to me way back then. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Second thing about a witness that I see from Mary's life is that witnesses make Jesus their priority. If you'll notice in Chapter 8 of Luke verse 4, it said, Many others, Mary and many others, provided for Jesus with their substance. They supported His ministry. They made Him a priority. They left and followed Him. In Jewish society, it's young men who follow a rabbi. I believe the disciples were mostly teenagers. And I think that gives us understanding as to why they asked some of the dumb questions they asked. Who's going to be on the right hand of your throne? Did your mama put you up to this? Because it's like the mom was putting them up to it. So can't blame it on the teenagers. Ooh, I done got myself in a hole here. I believe Peter was older. He becomes the, the one in charge often. He had a family and a business. Anyhow, witnesses make Jesus their priority. These women made Jesus a priority. Notice this. Mary follows him with others all the way to the cross. The Bible says in Mark 15, There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the lesson of Joseph and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. It was a far journey from the Galilee to Jerusalem, but they had followed him all the way. They followed him all the way to the end. Not only that, when he was crucified and taken down from the cross, these women stood far away, but close enough that they could watch where they took his body. 
Bible says in Luke 23, then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, being the body of Jesus, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near in verse 55. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices with fragrant oils and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So these ladies stood close enough but far away enough that they could see where the body was taken and then they went later and, and covered his body with spices according to Jewish tradition, so a de decomposing body would not smell as bad. And they were making sure he was taken care of even in a death state. Even in a death state. She was one who made Jesus the priority. A witness makes the Lord their priority. Lord, help us with this. Lord, help us with this. Because I, I, I used a couple examples in the early service of people I've known or known of who really made Jesus a priority. Even when they went out in public, he's their priority. I had a friend, I have a friend, who was uh, on staff at a church in Texas, and he calls me one day. And he says, Hans, have you ever heard of a man named Todd White? And I said, well, I don't know him, but I've heard of him, yeah, and I like him. I like his ministry. I like, I like his testimony. He said, he's preaching at my church right now. And he said, the man is preaching straight holiness. I'm loving it, but I've never heard of him. And then he said, but my uh, pastor said, would you take him downtown? He needs to do some business. So I knew it'd be a 30-minute deal, run downtown, run back, come into the service. He said, three hours later, <laughs> they made it back, late for the session, and Todd was the main speaker. But he said, what happened was when we went downtown, every person that that man encountered, he prayed for or ministered to. He said, it changed my life. He said, it changed my life. That one trip downtown, that man believed he should minister to every person he came in contact with. We have some dear friends. And uh, my daughter was telling me that they were visiting these dear friends of ours. And uh, the son-in-law in this family asked uh, my son-in-law if they'd like to go. He'd like to go to the grocery store. They had to pick up something because they were all preparing dinner. So they went over to the grocery store. And uh, they pick up the few items they need. And then he tells my son-in-law, hey, hey, wait just a second. Uh, there's a guy over here I want to minister to. And there was a guy standing there. And, and our friend walks up to him and says, mm, you have a knee problem, right? He said, yes. said, I think the Lord wants me to pray for you. Okay. They lay hands on him. He gets healed. In the grocery store. This convicts me. Because sometimes I'm walking in the grocery store like. <laughs> priority. Come on, somebody say priority. This is just an example. And then another guy gets prayed for and he ministers to people. They get home an hour later. And said, uh, how'd it go? And he said, it, was, it went well. We went down and got the stuff we needed. A couple people were healed. A couple people were healed. Come on, hallelujah. How about let's make Jesus a priority. Instead of going to Walmart and getting ticked off at that person that pulled in front of you and took your parking spot. 
How about going with some joy and victory in your heart? How about, how about conquering that temper before you ever get out of the car? If you have to park far away, maybe you need the exercise. I'm getting mean today. It's been like, maybe you need the exercise. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus. How about going in with a mind that I'm going to put Jesus first? How about going to work with a mind I'm just going to put the Lord first? I'm going to put him, he's going to be a priority in my life. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to be a good employee or a good boss or a good teacher or whatever you do. But I'm going to go and I'm going to put the Lord first. How about making the Lord the priority in your family? Yeah, we're going to have fun. We're going to, it's going to be a blast. We're going, to, we're going to raise kids. We're going to see them go on and be the best they can be. We're going to have an amazing marriage, but we're going to put Jesus first because I figured out he makes everything amazing when you make him the center of everything. We're going to let him be the first. It means our decisions, our prayer life, our priorities are all going to be focused around the Lord because we're witnesses. You know what's a bad witness? Go out to the restaurant this afternoon and be rude to the waitress. Leave a lousy tip and let them know you go to Fountain of Life Church. How about if you're that bad, don't tell them where you go to church. Nor leave a gospel track. Well, hallelujah. How about blessing somebody? How about living in the overflow? How about believe God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory? And when you start blessing somebody, you're going to get it back. How about start sowing words of joy and blessing over people? That when you sow kindness, you're going to get it back. When you sow some love, you're going to get it back. You sow some hatred and some jealousy, you're going to get it back. Be not deceived, my brethren. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. How about showing some love and how about blessing some people? How about speaking some faith over people today? Thank you for people. Praise the Lord. You know, you need to get, we need to, we need to start sowing faith and start sowing words and putting, making Jesus a priority. You know, when somebody, somebody says, well, pr please pray for me. You know, I've got, I've got a heart condition. No, oh, that's in your family. I don't know, I'll be praying for you. But it's like, I'm not expecting anything to happen. I'm, no, I, I'm tired of that. I'm like, you don't, have to you don't have to accept it. It's in your family, yeah, but the curse is broken. Hallelujah, all that's taken off your family. In the All that's taken off your family. I'm going to declare that over your life. I'm going to declare life over you. Long life and satisfied life. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Hans, are we, not, are we denying reality? No, we understand what reality is, but we're declaring truth. See, I got something that trumps the situation. That's the Word of God. Hallelujah. Say, no, I believe the best for you. I believe you're going to make it. Hallelujah. I'm in your corner cheering you on. If nobody else is going to speak something good, I'm going to be that witness in your life. That says God's going to bring you through. I experienced something where God brought me out. Hallelujah. I should have been dead by now several times. But God kept me alive. Oh, hallelujah. He kept me alive. And now I'm a living witness to the power of his resurrection. I'm a living witness to what he can do in your life. Come on, just take your hand and do this. Come on, just peel back the heavens over your life. Say, God, I want to live in an open heaven now. 
I want to live in an open heaven. Come on, if you're a witness, shout hallelujah. Third thing I see in Mary's life is a true witness can't help but sharing it. They can't help but opening their mouth and telling you of all the goodness. The best advertisement ever is word of mouth. When we first started growing here in this church, God sent uh, a lot of people. They started getting saved. Revival was hitting this house. This, this church exploded in growth. And I had a friend of mine, a very savvy pastor friend. He said, Hans, how many are coming through your website? I said, well, as of now, we don't have one. He said, you don't have one. No, don't have a website right now. We got that later, but God started blowing this thing up by word of mouth. Because when you eat at a good restaurant, you want to go share the, the, story, the testimony with somebody else. Come on, somebody. If somebody does your hair and it's just perfect and they're the bomb, you want to go share that testimony with somebody else. Amen? If you dealt with a car dealer that did you right, and was just a pleasure to work with, you want to go share that goodness. How much more when you've encountered the resurrected Jesus and He's brought nothing but good into your life. Like Polycarp, the famous saint from Smyrna in the second century, they tied him to a stake getting ready to burn him and they said, renounce Christ, acknowledge Caesar is Lord, and we'll let you go. He said, 80 and 9 years have I served Him. And he's done me nothing but good. How could I deny him right now? Oh, and he became a martyr. He was an, an ultimate witness. Come on. He's done me good all the days of my life. How can I not but tell someone of the good things that God has done for me? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. Hallelujah. He's been good to me. Hallelujah. He's ultimately, he's ultimately good. He has good in store. He has good in my future. God is good all the time. He didn't just become good or maybe good one day bad another day he's good 24-7 365 God is good let all the earth declare the Lord is good let the heavens declare the Lord is good I don't care what CNN says I don't care what MSNBC says I don't care what the Washington Post says my God is good and he has good things in store for his people come on somebody give him a shout Come on, if you believe it, give him a praise in here this morning. Hallelujah! Come on, look around and tell somebody next to you, my God is good. Look at somebody next to you and say, my God has good things in store for you. It's my understanding. There, you know, there, there was a Pentecostal holiness pastor back in, in the 50s who became a famous healing evangelist named Oral Roberts. And uh, some of my friends knew him personally. Dr. Vincent Sinan, who was a mentor of mine, was a, one of his best friends, I think, or a close friend. And Oral came on TV. He's one of the first ministers ever to go on TV. And when he went on TV, he made a lot of church people mad. I mean, he ticked off the church people because the TV camera would come on and he would say, something good is going to happen to you. Like, what's he talking about good? God's into beating us down and causing bad to come. No, he's like, 
I got a hold of the scripture, got healed as a 17-year-old boy from tuberculosis. And God miraculously brought him back to life. And the rest of his life, he preached the goodness of God. And won untold thousands, if not millions, to Christ. And built a school that has sent people all over the globe to build hospitals and be politicians and be preachers and healing evangelists. Some of the greatest healing evangelists and ministers we know came out of that school. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Why? Because one man had the had an experience with God, he had to testify and tell people God is good and He's good all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. I was interviewed last week by a group from a college and that we did a podcast interview and they asked us, they said, tell us about your struggle that you went through in 2020 and uh, losing your wife and all the struggle and just COVID and we went through this whole thing. And I said, this is what I've learned out of it all. I don't understand everything, but I know God is good. That He's good all the time. That He has the best intentions for me and my family. He has the best intentions for this church. God wants it to grow. He wants it to explode. God wants us to pack this house and build another building. God wants us to send out missionaries and evangelists and pastors and teachers and musicians and doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs. Hallelujah. God wants to send them all out. God wants to use your giftings and take you out and let you witness in whatever area of life He's called you to. God wants some authors to come out. He wants some politicians to come out. He wants some farmers to come out. He wants some teachers to come out. He wants some policemen and firemen to come out, all giving him Holy Ghost priority in their lives, declaring he's good all the time. You know, you can be a witness in whatever area God has called you to. We had a gentleman in this church. He's now home with the Lord, but he was a police officer. He was a county deputy. And he drove a police car and he arrested many people. And he said as soon as they would get arrested, he put them in the back and he had a sign there saying, if you find yourself in this seat. (laughs) And he just witnessed and preached the gospel right to them, led many people to Christ. Can you shout amen? amen? Oh, hallelujah. Dana and I encountered a lady the other day. A friend of mine is his wife. She works in a mental hospital, works on the ward with abusive, sexually abusive offenders in a mental hospital. And she's a chaplain there. She's been there for many years. The joy of the Lord was all over her. And she talked about the experiences of people being healed and demons cast out right in a state institution. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We got some teachers in here. I don't care what the government says. If a student comes to you, share the gospel with them in Jesus' name. You can change it. I hate that I even have to say that. We live in an age where you can't just openly preach the gospel. Why not? Everybody else is blabbing their mouth about their cause. Why can't we stand up for the truth? We have the truth. We know the truth. We serve a real God. We're not serving a God who's in a tomb somewhere. I've been to the tomb. I went to the tomb. I've been to both of them. Hallelujah. I went to the Holy Sepulchre and not one bone was there. I went to the garden tomb and nobody was there. But a sign was on the outside saying, He is not here. He is risen. Woo, give him a shout. Hallelujah. Come on, you're not serving a dead God. We're not serving an idol somewhere. We're not serving just a tenet of beliefs. We're serving the resurrected Jesus who's still alive and well. Hallelujah. I believe His power and His spirit is walking the aisles of this place right now. Come on, if you believe it, give Him a shout. Hallelujah. 
Oh, come on, give him a shout. Hallelujah. Let me read your scripture and we're going to pray here. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Bible says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the tomb from the door, because the uh, tomb of the door for us. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled away. For it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into the Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Listen, if this would have been great history, if they were trying to convince people of the resurrection of Jesus, they would have chosen the most credible source to list. He was seen first of Joseph of Arimathea. Or he was seen first of Nicodemus. Or he was seen first of Herod and his guards. But it didn't say that. Instead, they, Jesus chose to appear, himself, to appear first, make his appearance first to a woman who could have had a questionable background, at least we know she was demon-possessed, who would have been the least credible witness in great history, that's who he chose to reveal himself to first. That alone shows us that the text is pure. He did, it is not a fabricated deal. He chose to show himself first to Mary Magdalene. Come on, some of the women better shout hallelujah. The women followed him. The women cared for him. The women were the last ones at the, at the cross and the first ones at the grave. And now Mary is given the opportunity of being the first one to preach the gospel. She's going to be the first one. Bible says she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that she, he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Mary goes and tells the disciples... And she wasn't credible enough, evidently. They didn't even believe her. Jesus appears to them later, and He comes and rebukes them for their unbelief. Mary was the first one to share the gospel. Why? Because when a witness experiences something so good, you can't help but tell somebody else about it. You can't help but tell somebody else about it. You can't help but tell somebody else about it. Come on, somebody. You can't help but tell somebody else about it. Thank the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on. Some of y'all got some family members you need to share the goodness with. Some of y'all have some work associates you need to share the goodness with. Some of y'all have high school friends you need to share the good news with. That God has good in store for their lives. I remember I first started preaching. Let's all stand. I first started preaching in my home church. and I walked in there one night, nervous, nervous wreck anyhow. 
And I looked out in the crowd, and there was a young man in the crowd that I used to play in a rock and roll band with. And I thought, oh, Lord. I'm kind of like, why did this man have to show up? So I preached anyhow, and I preached, and at the end I said, I'm going to give an altar call. And I gave an altar call, and one person responded. It was that boy. I didn't even know really how to lead him to the Lord. I didn't even really know what to do. Because I thought, oh, Lord, he's coming. (laughs) He's really coming. And he came down and he gave his heart to the Lord. I didn't hear from him for for, for years and years. And then I got a message on Facebook. And he said, I just want to let you know I've been serving as a youth pastor at a Methodist church for many years. I've been serving as a youth pastor. makes me want to run the, run the chairs right now. I'm telling you. That's good news. Sharing the good news with somebody else. Sharing the good news with somebody else. Come on, you're a witness. Did you know it? You're a witness. God's setting you on fire. You got an opportunity. You have an opportunity over the next couple weeks. If nothing else, go invite somebody to church. Just bring them on. Just start inviting them. Just bring somebody with you. It's amazing what will happen. Because, see, what happens in churches is it's like a fireplace. We're all in here, and we're all in the fireplace together, but when you throw a new log on, things get heated up. You throw throw another new log on, things get heated up. And you know what it does? It fires up some of us who've been in the fire for a while. It, It causes the heat to rise for our lives, too. You know, the worst thing is, is to get out of the fireplace. You take that ember and place it outside of the other, you know what happens? It dies. It grows cold and dies. You want to stay in with all of us and then bring some new wood in. Hallelujah. Throw it in the fire with us and it becomes a powerful force. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word today. Thank you for Mary Magdalene. Thank you for her. What a witness. What a story. Thank you for her, Lord. Thank you, God, that we've learned from her witness. We're not defined by our past. Not at all. We're not defined by our past. Hallelujah. And that you use our story to transform lives. That we got to share it. It's good news. Lord, I give you praise. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if there's one person in here today who doesn't know the Lord as their Savior, I'm talking your personal Savior. Has He come into your heart? Has He changed your life? Have you encountered the resurrected Jesus? If you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray today. I'm not here to embarrass you or call you out, but I just want to pray with you right where you stand. Right where you stand. And all you have to do is just just give me a sign of faith here. If that's you, let me see your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. Maybe there's others of you. Say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I need him to come. I want to experience his, his resurrection power. I want to experience his forgiveness. Maybe there's some of you in here today who say, Pastor, you preached me under conviction. I should be witnessing better than I am right now. How many of you could lift your hand and say, I want to be a better witness? Come on. I want to be a better witness. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to pray for these two things. Let's pray for those who are coming into the kingdom right now. Pray with me. Pray out loud, church. Pray it from your heart. Pray with me. Father in heaven, 
I come before you and I bring all of my sin, all of my failures, and I lay them at your feet. Please forgive me. Wash me in your precious blood. I open my heart and I ask Jesus to come in. Come in as my Savior. Come in as my Lord. Jesus, take the throne seat of my heart. You're in charge now. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm a child of God. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. I give you praise in Jesus' name. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Come on, I want Dana to come up here. Dana was last week in Nashville with Mercy Multiplied and Nancy Alcorn. Didn't y'all love Nancy? And Dana's had numerous songs of hers appear in major movies through the years. And she had... Wow. Yes. And, uh, and, and I mean, she was there as a Christian. And she said this was, talk about being a witness. You get to witness in that kind of context. So last year, Mercy had her, or last week, Mercy had her come in. And they showed clips from these movies and played that song. And then she would tell the story behind it and play. And said these girls would gasp. But they're like, oh my gosh, we've heard this. Oh my gosh. One of her songs was used on the on hold when these girls would call. It would go to one of Dana's songs. And it's caused some of those girls to like not commit suicide and to come to the homes. Isn't that amazing? But there were, as she did this last week, singing her movie songs, several of those girls gave their lives to Jesus. So after we had um, played together and, and just interacted a lot, Nancy was with me. I was with Nancy. And um, she asked if any of the girls wanted prayer. And so um, a few came forward. One of those girls was a Chinese girl, and she did not speak English very well. So she wanted to receive the Lord. And so Nancy prayed her through and really did kind of break some of the things that were over her. And Nancy always asks for responses after, afterwards, like written responses, so that you know how they connected. And uh, this, this girl sent the response, and she said, she said, all that she said leading up to it, and she said, I just can't believe that I am now a child of God. And it was very convicting. We just can't believe that we are his children. He is our father. He is our father. Anyway, it rocked my world. Here we go. <laughs> Come on. How many of you can raise your hand and say, wow, I'm a child of God. Come on, wow, I'm a child of God. Come on, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You've been washed in the blood. You got to go tell somebody. You got to go tell somebody. Come on, I want all the altar workers to join us right now who are here. And we're going to open this altar up for you right now in Jesus' name. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, he is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.